Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help build your business story repertoire. Hi, I'm Sean Callahan, And I'm Mark Shank. I had an interesting email last week. I got an email from Dave Carroll. Remember Dave Carroll who did the whole United Breaks Guitars? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was, that was hilarious. Well, in fact, it wasn't hilarious that his guitar got broken, but it was hilarious how... His song went viral and caused so much problem for United. Yeah, well, that's right. In fact, they um, some say it actually had an impact on their share price. That's uh, probably debatable, but he it had. I know he had like hundreds of thousands and now millions of people who have actually watched his video that he did. So the short version of the story is that he's looking out the window. He's going on a trip from you know somewhere in the in the US. He's a guitarist. He has a band. And he looks out the window and he sees the baggage handlers throwing their guitars around. And when he complained and sort of said, look, you've broken my guitar and I need some compensation. And it wasn't an ordinary guitar, right? It was actually a really good guitar. I believe it was a, what they call a Taylor guitar. Not Taylor May golf clubs, oh, okay. but yeah. something like that. Taylor. I'm not exactly sure where they come from. They might be an Australian one, actually. But I do remember that the Taylor company actually sent him a new guitar. Right, it was a brilliant uh, bit of oh, marketing, marketing from, from those guys from the, from the guitar because because United's not budging; they're not wanting to no, do we anything. Do. No, yep, no, exactly. Anyway, but anyway, the, all this I'm telling you this because uh, Dave's coming along to your um, uh, public workshop in Washington D.C., so you'll get to meet him. Uh, oh, well, I'm so looking forward to because we've, we've also got Doug Keeley from Toronto, yes, who is uh, one of our partners and also uh, CEO of uh, Stories Rule and. A really cool guitarist, and so if we only convince them to we, crack yeah. out the guitars, that would be pretty good. I was, I was actually uh, so uh, it's Sunday night now, so Saturday morning uh, our time yeah. uh, was uh, Sunday was Friday Friday evening for Doug. I was talking to Doug yesterday and said, "Doug, bring your guitar." Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a sing along. I love it. Okay, yeah, well, well, I definitely won't be singing, but <laughs> we'll leave that to Doug and Dave. Oh, leave it to is, the professionals. That is so cool. Dave yeah. Carroll coming along to the workshop. Yeah, so that'd be great. And um, uh, but today we've got a story that's a, to totally segue here in a very, uh, very clunky way. Um, but throwing to you, you have the story for today. So I thought, why don't you just lay it on us? Just lay it on you. Well, I'm going to tell you, firstly, the short version. Yeah. So 2002, Salt Lake City Winter Olympics. Right. An Australian called Stephen Bradbury has made it into the final of the short course speed racing 1,000 metre final. Right. Okay. Uh, How many laps is that? uh, It's about nine laps, but a, a, a tiny course i've seen it. i remember seeing it on video yeah it's, cr- it's crazy frenetic sport yep he's made it to the final has no chance there's right. five people in the final because it the the course you know the, the course itself is so small you, you max you, the most people you can have on it is five right and so it's absolutely intense uh heart racing jet neck breaking speed going around uh nine laps and uh there's there was four skaters that had a chance, yeah. and uh, Bradbury wasn't one of those. He was kind of the fifth player in a, uh, in, a, in, a in a four player game, and the race went on. And the four players were you know, the four main chances were jockeying for position, and it was all very intense. And they're all changing position, and comes to the last lap, and Bradbury is f- maybe three or four meters behind the main pack, 
and they're all jockeying for position. And as they come around the last curve, the Chinese uh, skater, Zhijun Li, uh, he made a move. He upset the front runner, who was Apollo Ono, the, uh, the American uh, speed skating darling. Right. And so uh, Li touched Ono. Ono was, he, he kept his feet pretty well, which is amazing. Um, Lee fell. He took out the two other skaters. Ono could not keep his feet much longer. He skated, smashed into the wall. All four of them are down. And the last man who comes through is Stephen Bradbury, unaffected by the, the crash, wins the gold medal. And it's an amazing thing to see. Bradbury's a few meters behind the main pack. They come around the last corner. There's this big collision and smash and and everyone falls over and then Bradbury just skates through and wins the gold medal. And the funny thing too is when I watch it, Bradbury doesn't look like he's putting any effort into it. It's almost like, I'm going to make sure I don't fall over. You yeah. know, and he was just like, always slid in. Like, it wasn't like he was going full bore or anything like that. Yeah. He just... And then he crossed the line and he, the look on his face was, holy smoke, <laughs> I've won. I've just and, won, and, yeah. and he, he like went half a lap before he even put his hands in the air to go, I won. Yeah. And because it was so unexpected. In fact, it's so unexpected and it's so lucky that it's become part of, well, certainly in Australia, it's become part of the Australian lexicon. You're doing you're doing a Bradbury. Oh, yeah. Right? You've won against everyone against else's fallen over. Everyone yep. else has fallen over and, and and you've come through and won the... There were, I remember a politician. He had no chance of winning the seat and just in the days leading up to the to the election, a number of politicians were found to have you know done bad things, and uh, and then he wins. He wins. Yeah, and so he's, he's done a Bradbury. Of, well, he 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 did his election, his victory speech, and and he did this 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 is bigger than Stephen. This is a Stephen Bradbury. Yeah, yeah, right? it's, it's part of the language, isn't it? Yeah. And it is part of the lexicon. Yeah, and uh, you know just that thing, luck. But that's not the story. Of this, this is not. This is the thing. It's not. This is not the story, right? Because okay. that's only the story if you only look at that one race. And if we kind of zoom back a bit and look at a, a much longer period of time, you realise that this was, this was a, a quite a possible outcome of this race. Because Bradbury, he's twenty-eight years old. He's been racing for a long time. He's this is his third Winter Olympics. He's twenty-eight years old. He's an old man in a young man's sport. The youngest. The, sorry, the oldest other person in that was uh, the Canadian, uh, Turcotte, who was uh, 21 years old. The Korean in the final was 16 years old. Wow. The favorite, Apollo Ono, who was the sort of the darling of American speed skating, he was 19. Yeah. So Bradbury's an old man yeah. in young man's sport. But he has paid his dues. He has been at the at, you know one of the top competitors in short course speed racing for for 12 years. Yeah. He was part of the. He, in fact, he was one. Of, he was kind of the leader of the team that won Australia's very first uh, Olymp- uh, Winter Olympic gold. Uh, sorry, win- Winter Olympic medal, which is a bl- uh, a bronze medal in Lillehammer in the relay. So he got four of his, well, three of his mates uh, from Brisbane in Australia, and they trained. And Brisbane is a. It's not a. It's it's not an. Uh, an it's like ice a story skater. of cool running. You know? It is. It's exactly. yeah, of course you're going to be in Brisbane as an ice skater, right? Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course you are. So he, because he was 
doing he was an an international speed skater kind of a few people knew him in this in the skating world and and he talked some of them into joining him and they trained their asses off and they won Australia's first medal in the uh, in the 5000 meter uh speed skating race in Lillehammer in, yeah. in 1994. Yeah, right. So it was a huge thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's been around for a long time. Sure. He's never won an Olympic medal. Yep. But it's kind of not surprising because when we look at the at the sport itself, it is a frenetic, accident-prone, dangerous sport. So people fall all the time and the skaters are wearing razor-sharp skates. You could almost shave with them. Yeah. They are... Uh, uh, Bradbury himself in 1995 had almost died in Canada in, a, in, a, in an event because he'd fallen and a, a competitor's skate had caught him on the inside of the thigh and basically cut, cut him, open, him from open his, from his hip to his knee and, and he nearly died on the ice from loss of blood Wow. But he got to hospital and they saved and they saved his life. Like his parents flew from Australia. It was yeah, yeah. it was it was close. It was close. He'd also broken his neck in an in an accident. Uh, well, Jesus in, Christ! So he's nearly died twice. Yeah, in his yeah, sport, okay. he's fallen numerous times when he was in a winning position because this is the sport of speed skating. Yeah, right. It, that's what it's about, right? Yeah, you yeah. just it's, it's dangerous. Yeah, and so. Bradbury is an old man. He makes he, he's in his final Olympics in uh, 2002 in Salt Lake City, and he makes the final against the odds. And he, he's just, in terms of absolute speed, he's just just off the pace of of the to, of the, the top, top guys of yeah. the top guys. Yeah. So there's five people in the race. The four top ones they have got the edge in terms of speed and youth, etc. But his coach, he and his coach sat down and looked at. The race, and they went well. The China, the Chinese guy, Ji Zhong Li, he is desperate to win a gold medal, and he's won four silver medals, and he's never won a gold. and And he had raced incredibly, like really desperately, in the in the the, the heats and the semifinals. Yeah, and so they knew that he was going to be in the mix and, and racing desperately again, wanting to win the gold. And so that creates this factor in a short course race where anything can happen. And so the uh, Bradbury, he was very happy to make his final and he, all, his, all he wanted to do was to, to skate at his absolute best, right? which was going to be a little bit less than the absolute best of the other guys, but he wanted to do that. So the strategy was, if there is an accident, don't be involved in it. Yeah, hang back. Right. Hang back because there's a chance that he would pick up a medal. Yeah. Right? By Because making the final And did one of the heats, he sort of more or less did that? Well, in one of the heats, two people fell over. He was he was running fourth in the in the semifinal. Yeah. And, and in the final turn, two people, again, down. They're, they're desperate, racing. They fell down in the in the rough and tumble of the of the uh, event. And he skated through and came second and made it. That gave him uh, the, he birth. Had the, the birth in the final. Yep. I mean, his times had to be good, you know, good, yeah, enough. good enough. So he yeah. had the times yep. to to make it, and so uh, there he was in the final. And so his strategy was: if there is an accident, do not be involved in it. And so you race, you 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 now go back to the story of what happened in the race itself, and it plays out very differently then, because instead of somebody who's just a lucky guy, it's a guy who has been at you know, at elite level for his whole life, in the twilight of his career, um, having made his first final, 
with the intention of doing the absolute best he can and knowing that in that race, in that form of racing, accidents are possible and the people in front of him, at least two, or at least one of them, and possibly two, are desperate to win. Yep. So given that mix... Creating the conditions. Yes, given that mix, uh, his strategy was stay out of trouble. Great. Stay in touch, stay out of trouble. And of course, when they all fell, he skated through and his strategy was successful. So I was a very surprised, but it was more successful than he could have possibly imagined. Yeah, yeah, of course. It was, events, yeah. it was a possibility, though. Oh, absolutely, it was a possibility. You know, and, and, a, and a fairly, you know, not not a zero possibility. You know, he'd seen it already play out. Exactly, right? and so. given the nature of that sport, that's uh, what happened. It's not an um, it's not an amazing thing. It's an interesting thing. Yes. But you need to know all that backstory to understand that. Yeah. So so that's kind of the the the, the, the bigger version of that story. And it's yeah. a very different than if you just look at the race itself. Yeah. Exactly. Context, right? Absolutely. So tell me, um, in that, I guess that you know that sort of those two versions. Why do you think they work as a as a story? What's what's in it in that jumps out for you as the teller that really makes you give that sense that that's a story that people will lean into? Well, if we just look at the at the original race on its own, yeah. the, the the total surprise of everyone falling over and the last man standing. Going through that's kind. Of, that's that a, in itself is remarkable. It is remarkable, right? right? Everyone falls over, and the last guy comes through and wins the gold medal. Yep. And the people who are in front, they they basically they scramble across the ice on their hands and knees and throw themselves over the line to get the silver and bronze. Yes, I love that actually. <laughs> that bit. No, I hadn't really noticed until we both saw of those guys were injured, by the way. To doing both, that, both, both of them had uh, had to go to hospital for for uh, uh, Turcot, the Canadian. He had caught one of the someone's skate on his on his backside, uh, and he had a huge gash. Gash, and uh, he got up off the ice and put his and pulled his hand away, and just blood was pouring out. So he's off to the hospital, and uh, Ono also uh, off to hospital. Wow, uh, from a, uh, a cut on his leg. Yeah, well, I I reckon one of the things that I find really interesting about that is that. So the first story we've all, you know, in Australia, particularly and maybe broader, people have heard that story. You know, they've seen it because they've, you know, they have a, you know, sort of a, a little image in their mind about what happened. But when you sort of say, look, guys, that's not the full story. That's when, because I love it when you get a story, you think you know the story. And then someone says, no, 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 that's not, that's the, not story. the full story. Oh no, it's a story, but it's not maybe the full story. There's another perspective. There's another way of looking at this, and it might give you a totally different perspective. And I think as soon as you say that, that piques an audience's interest, doesn't it? You know, they sort of yeah. go because it's this moment where you just all of a sudden you go, "Oh, I think I knew that story." Oh, someone's going to give me another another version of it, right? So I love I love that type of element to that story. Yep. Now. As you were saying that, I was, I was thinking that relevance is also important. Uh, here in Australia, that's a very well-known moment in Australian sport. Yes. Because that was the first gold medal that Australia ever won in, a, in the Winter Olympics. Right. So it's very, for Australia, it's, a very, it's very relevant. So for people in other countries, uh, maybe the Stephen Bradbury story isn't so... Well no, known, no, no, because it's not so relevant. So it's important to bear that in mind. Yes, um, you want to know where who your audience is for this story, I think, because I'm always a little bit worried about sports stories too, just generally, because I feel that they appeal potentially more strongly with blokes. 
than they do with women. Now, well, if it's men's sport, yes, particularly if it's men's sport, but sport generally, I think. But um, especially when people are talking about football, oh, you yes. know, that, that, I think that's there, there, there's football some... stories are just going to put half of your audience asleep. Right? And there's some great football stories, of course, there but is. they only it doesn't matter how good they are if it's only relevant to half the audience. That's it. Exactly. And yet we regularly see people get up there and uh, in front of a mixed audience yeah. and tell great sports stories and half the audience thinks it's fantastic and the other half go, oh, not again. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Why am I trapped here? Yeah. The the other thing about the, the story, I think, is, well, obviously the surprise factor is is an obvious one, but there is a certain amount of physicality to the, the story in the sense of the people jostling the... The, the potential for real injury, um, you know, the craziness of the, of the how they skate and bumping into each other and, you know, sort of trying to get to that front. And, you know, obviously not totally legally either. I mean, you know, yeah, the things a... that they do that, you know, they're pushing people out of the way. Um, so I think that's, that, that adds to, the, to that story as well. Yeah. yeah. And... The so in that in the second version when the backstory is unpacked, yes, that's a that's a really important part of the story. Is that that is the nature of the game? Yes, um, I think so. It's very tough, bustly. Yeah, and accidents happen. I think that's the key thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Accidents happen, and you know if you play your cards right and you have the right strategy, which Bradbury did, um, you can actually take advantage of the likelihood of accidents happening, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a tough, dangerous sport. And if you have a clear strategy and you are good enough, you've got a chance. Mm. And that was his strategy. So um, is there anything that we'd say around making this story even better? Like, is there something that... Now you've heard that story told. I don't know how many times you've told that story, but you know, now you've heard it sort of out, out of your mouth. What do you think? What would make that story even better, do you think? Well, that story would be even better if it was relevant to a wider audience. So if it had have been uh, an American, yeah, maybe, right. maybe there's a bigger world audience uh, for that story. Darn Americans. But it's, a, it's an Australian. So, so a lot of people would not even have, unless you're an avid follower of, of Winter Olympic sports, yeah. you might not even know the Stephen Bradbury story. Yes. And so it's kind of one of the things that, is, uh, that makes a story work really well is relevance to the audience and so that's why I raised that point about in Australia pretty much everyone knows the Stephen Bradbury story Mm. and so in Australia fantastic might not be as effective elsewhere yes in fact that's why I mentioned the American guy Apollo Ono and uh, the the Chinese guy uh, Xi Zhong Li yeah yeah sort of expands the uh, you know the detail, if you like. But I, I have a feeling, I, I have this sense that detail could actually be your enemy in this story as well. If you know too much about oh. this or, ta- or tell too much, you might lose the audience in listening to that story, right? That, you know, I reckon with a second and third telling, it would crunch down, especially once you worked out exactly what the point of the story is, right? Yeah, so I I agree. I've read, so I have Bradbury's book. Yep. Called no not surprisingly, Last Man Standing, and I read it again. I I intended only just to read a few pages to refresh my memory, but I read it again before uh, uh, in preparation the story. for this pod, yeah, podcast. Yeah, right. And so the 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 
threat of having too much detail very, is a very real threat. Yeah, yeah I and think of course, it is. we I caught my well, we caught we caught me in one of our early podcasts where I did do heaps and heaps of research, and the story was so detailed. And so I was trying to avoid that in this telling. Yeah, yeah. Because the more you know about this story, it's it's actually a really, really interesting story. Yeah, because you've got all the little sidebars. Yeah. yeah. You can sort of say, oh, and then, yeah, and you know, and you yeah. tell the little sidebar. But I guess when you get to that point where you're in front of a, a business audience and you want to land some point, right, and we'll get on, let's have a chat about what those points might be, right, it'd be interesting to sort of see how the story morphs, right, and what you leave in and what you take out. Um, so what do you reckon in, in terms of uh, you know, telling the story in a business setting, what could be some of the uh, business points that we could make by telling this story? Well, one of them is uh, around market position. So if you're talking to your, thinking about your organizational strategy, do you want to be jostling at the front of the pack for the lead position? Yep. Or do you want to be really, really dedicated and disciplined and not necessarily at the forefront and looking for the opportunity to take the market-leading position should that opportunity arise. So positioning yourself yes. for future possibility. You know, and there might be a variation of that, which is uh, around uh, something along the lines. So I can imagine a leader standing in front of their uh, team and sort of saying, you know, in our business, it's a turbulent, um, crazy business. Dog eat dog. You may even say dog eat dog. <laughs> and, and luck plays a big role in how. But you know what? You actually have to position yourself to be lucky. right? And then you, then you tell the Bradbury story, right? Because he knew that luck plays a part in those, those races, right? And he positioned himself so that if luck happened... He'd be in the position to take advantage of it. So there's a saying about op- uh, the the confluence of uh, preparation and opportunity. Yeah. So right. you prepare yourself. So, so if you're well prepared and the opportunity presents, you need to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much the strategy that exactly. Bradbury adopted. So yeah. that's a that's actually a a pretty reasonable business strategy in in many markets. Yeah, indeed. So I think there's I think you know it's a nice story around luck and but being ready for luck. Um, so there's definitely that. Um, so just one more on luck because yeah. uh, Gladwell I think it was Outliers where mm-hmm. he talked about uh, how do you become fantastic? Yep. And so his idea was you need to be good enough, you need to do 10,000 hours and you need to have luck. Yeah. So kind of three factors for success. It wasn't all about being the very best, but it was about being good enough, doing the work, and having some luck. Mm. And, and of course, that's and, pretty and, much the Bradbury story. And very few leaders, uh, people, you know, very few people who've been successful put it down to the luck that they've had. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like we, we run those workshops where we ask people to put a red dot if if it's a it's you know if it's a behavior that they show themselves a negative behavior and no one puts any red dots next to the things you know for themselves it's sort of like that we don't like to think that you know hey we got here because, because we we're, we're pretty lucky you know we we're pretty lucky yeah, yeah. but still plays yeah. a big role um, that reminds me of the uh, the Deadpool 2 movie uh, ah, what yes. was the character um, domino was domino, it domino yes yeah. and her superpower that's right the superpower of being lucky <laughs> And was it Deadpool said, 
that's not a superpower. <laughs> <laughs> but man, it certainly was. Yeah. Totally awesome character. Cool. Well, anything else we need to uh, uh, well, uh, for touch me, on this one? For me, one of the other uses of this is persistence. So yeah, Bradbury... Just keep sticking, sticking he, it he out. He was not a flash in the pan. No. He... He kept going, yeah. working, working, working. How, do, how hard do you have to work to be at the pinnacle of your sport for three Olympics? Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal, isn't it? So you keep going. And so if you're wanting people, if you're in a situation where people are on the edge of giving up, this is a pretty cool story. Yeah. From, from the, the ashes of the end of a career, because he kept working, he had his finest hour. Actually, my old man used to tell me that the harder you work, the luckier you get. Oh, that was the Gary Player quote from really? back in the 80s. Oh, so anyway, because he's, you know, I think it's a classic, isn't it? Absolutely true. The harder I work, the luckier I get. So that Gary Gary Player story, he was in a in a bunker on the 17th hole in the, the final round of one of the major tournaments. And he'd played a bad shot to get into the bunker and he needed to get up and down in order to uh, maintain, uh, to be in the lead, or to, to be equal leader. So he's played the bunker shot, and he, he, he holed the bunker shot. And as he's walking out of the bunker, and it was in America, so the, and it was, I think it was against Jack Nicholas. One, one of the gallery had walked past him and said, you lucky so-and-so. And he turned to the guy and said, yeah, I am lucky, but you know what happens? The more I practice, the luckier I get. <laughs> so anyway, very it's just that persistent story. Okay, what about rating? Uh, well, so I well, told the story. You tell the story. I get to rate. Uh, I'm going to give this a seven. I think this is a story. I, you know, I like knowing the the sort of the bigger story around Stephen Bradbury. I like that, um, to be able to tell that and sort of set it in that context of working hard for luck. And, uh, yeah, so I think I could use that. I could tell that story. Yeah, look, I'm going to give it a seven as well. I And the reason I, I really love the story, um, I give it a seven because, for me, it, even though I love the story, it's, it's it not really nailing useful business points. So it, I, th- I think that would be uh, one of those stories that I love to tell, but it's kind of a bit difficult to make a great business point with it. Okay, good. Fantastic. Radio. Well, let's uh, finish things up. Do we have any... Um, of course, we've talked about our, our Washington. We've got the, the Washington events. We've got our uh, London events coming up. And there will soon be a, a workshop in Germany announced on our event page. So, uh, Right, okay. Whereabouts in Germany are we doing It's that? going to be in Berlin. Right. So Terrific. I'm going over to, uh, to present at a conference in Berlin in September. So right. we'll run a public workshop, a public storytelling for leaders workshop in Berlin. So I'm looking forward to that. I love Berlin. Yeah. I always, whenever I go to Berlin, I feel like something's going on, but I don't have access yeah, to it. Exactly. Me too. It's you know, like... I'm missing something there. So I'm, I'm, if you go, make sure you get some sort of guide that you I can take you. Yeah, local that can sort of take you in behind the, you know, those sort of uh, bleak walls that are in Berlin. And so if there are any podcast listeners who live in Berlin or are familiar with Berlin and know some some ways that I can have a great time in Berlin and see some interesting things that are maybe off the beaten track, let me know. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, guys, well, that's uh, where we're going to wrap it up for today. Um, I just want to thank everyone for, you know, listening to Anecdotally Speaking. 
And of course, tune in next time where we'll have another episode on how to put uh, stories to work. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.